Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance, and today is round number 24 of the game. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the case and has no idea what the case is ahead of time. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They are not real patients. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you are ready. I am ready, my friend. Let's do this. Are you nervous yet? You're a third year. I was going to say, I, I feel like the dynamic has changed a little bit. It went from like... Oh, let's do these common cases that like, you know, are high yield to, oh, let's see how we can screw Mike up. Well, the thing is, is you're really smart, so I have to make them difficult. <laughs> Otherwise, there won't be anything interesting. No, everyone will just expect you to win. No, uh, no one I'm, will expect, should expect you to win today. I'm terrified to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You'll have 15 minutes to complete the case before we begin. Do you have any questions? No questions, my friend. All right, let's begin. Dr. Estefan, you are working at Clerkship General when EMS calls in over the radio. And I'm going to do my medic voice here. Medic Wanda Clerkship Hospital. We're en route with a 25-year-old female who was found unresponsive by her friends in the bathroom. We administered naloxone. She is now alert. Heart rate 90, blood pressure 120 over 80, respiratory rate 1202 at 98%. IV established. We're about one minute out. Uh, great. Let's, uh, let's set up in the resuscitation room. Let's, let's grab two nurses, attack myself, and get all ready for her. All right. The patient arrives. All right. Um, what do I see? Um, you see a patient coming in. She appears awake, and EMS is pushing her on the stretcher. Great. Can I get a more detailed story from EMS? Um, yeah, Doc. So we have Heather here. Friends found her in the bathroom unresponsive, so they called us. Uh, we gave her some naloxone. She woke up. She's refusing to talk to us. Okay. And uh, how much naloxone? What route? Uh, we did four intranasal. Okay. Anything out of the ordinary at the, the scene? Anything the friend told you? Anything else going on? Um, yeah, what the friend said is that she kind of got into it with her boyfriend. She had stormed off crying. They went to check with her in the bathroom, and uh, they just kind of found her unconscious on the ground. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's good. Do we have, were there any like pill bottles or anything laying around her? Um, yeah, there was an empty bottle of Percocet. Great. Let's get her hooked up to the monitor. Um, and get in- We good to go? Yeah, you guys can go. All right. Thanks. Have a good day, Doc. All right. Um, two large bore IVs, hook her up to the monitor, and let's get an AccuCheck and an initial set of vitals, please. All right. Um, your AccuCheck shows a blood glucose of 100. Your temperature is 98. Heart rate, 97. Respiratory rate, 16. Blood pressure, 120 over 80. O2 saturation, 98%. Heather, Heather, my name is Dr. Estefan. I'm one of the doctors that is here to take care of you. Can you tell me what happened today? She's not talking to you. Okay. Is there anyone else in the room? Did her friend come with her? Uh, friends are not here. Okay. And do we know anything about her chart review, anything like that? 
Um, yeah, if you look at chart review, it looks like she has a history of chronic pain. She has a history of depression, no surgical history. Uh, she's on citalopram and pain medication. She has no allergies, daily alcohol use, uh, daily tobacco use, no drug use recorded. Great. You said no allergies to meds? Correct. Great. Um, all right. Let's, let's undress her and examine her. Any signs of trauma? Any- I want to leave my clothes on, doc. Uh, Stop messing with me. <laughs> I know my rights. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, how are her pupils? Uh, the pupils are pinpoint. And we have her on continuous pulse ox? Yes. Right. Okay. Um, any signs of trauma to the head or anywhere, really? Bruising, bleeding, hematomas? No. Okay. Um, let's see. Strength in all four extremities? Yes, she pushes you away from her with equal strength. <laughs> Great. Um, heart and lungs? She's quite uncooperative. Heart and lungs? Uh, heart, regular, rate, rhythm. There's no murmurs. Lungs are clear to auscultation. Okay, great. Um, and does, does she have ankle clonus or anything weird like that? Rigidity, clonus? Uh, doesn't, it doesn't appear to have that. Great. Um, okay. Belly soft, non-tender? Yes. Okay. Heather, can I give you anything? How do you feel? Do you feel nauseous right now? She just looks away from you. All right. Sounds good. Um, Let's get some labs for her. And let's see. We can get a CBC, a BMP. Definitely get some LFTs, a Tylenol level, a salicylate level, ETOH level, EKG, chest X-ray, um, do, do, do. I think that's all I really want right now. And maybe a UDS for psych. CBC, BMP, LFTs, acetaminophen level, salicylate level, alcohol level, EKG, chest x-ray, and urine drug screen. Yes. And if we could have one of the nurses run and just grab a vial of naloxone just to have at the bedside, but I don't want to give it right now. Okay, the nurse is bringing a vial of naloxone to the bedside. I'm working on sending your chest x-rays over. All right, x-ray looks great. By the way, non-case related, when the EKGs cross over from the paramedics, are they titled with the file name? Uh, no. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So that'd be a dead giveaway. All right, we continue with your case. Your EKG is crossing. Okay, um... I see. Normal sinus rhythm, normal rate, normal intervals, no crazy changes. I don't see any tox concerning things like a prolonged QRS or a large terminal RO wave, an AVR. So I'd say this is, this looks pretty normal to me, but you're making me nervous that I'm missing something. <laughs> um, Okay, and let's get a hold of poison control. Poison control is not available. Okay, that's fine. Um, you know, I... Shoot, I should have asked DMS how long ago this happened. Dang. <laughs> um, all right, well, I, I messed up there. Um, well, my concern right now, my thoughts... I mean, she overdosed on Percocet. Percocet has Tylenol in it. Um, and I don't know how long ago this happened... Um, and with an unknown ingestion amount, uh, 
I would, you know, just err on the side of caution. I mean, do I have labs back yet? I'm sure your CBC is normal. Your BMP is normal. Your LFTs are normal. Your acetaminophen level is not detected. Your salicylate level is not detected. Alcohol level is 0.06. And urine drug screen shows opiates. Okay. Well, (laughs) Um, and can we get a repeat set of vitals? Um, Yeah. So uh, heart rate is... 68 respiratory rate is eight blood pressure is 100 over 60 o2 saturation is 92 percent let's uh let's give her 0.1 of iv narcan and let us uh revital her after that does she wake up actually let Um, me sorry let me examine her is she somnolent yes shallow respirations correct all right now we can give the let's give her 0.1 bumps of narcan titrate it to her being awake and alert with normal respiratory drive um so you give 0.1 of narcan um you reassess the patient no change you want to repeat it yeah keep repeating it titrate to normal respiratory drive normal mental status um, so you repeat it another 0.1 of IV Narcan. Um, there's no change. How much do you want to try? All right. We could give another 0.2 of IV Narcan, double it. All right. She wakes up a little bit. Let's call psychiatry, get them on board. Cause this is otherwise a, um, a suicide attempt until proven otherwise. All right. You consulted them. Great. Um, let us. I don't want to pass press the fast forward button on this, but typically my practice is I will give. I guess I gave two doses of Narcan. All right, let's start it on a Narcan drip, a naloxone drip. Okay, pharmacy is sending it down. They'll help you with the dose. Great. Um, and uh, do I treat empirically? Do I s- start NAC? Is the question. Um. Uh, I always forget if I have to wait for the four-hour level or because it's an unknown ingestion, I just, unknown timing, unknown, you know, it had to have been relatively soon because her initial level was undetectable and she definitely took some Tylenol. So I think, I think the, the game plan is to, you know, admit her to the ICU at this point for requiring a Narcan drip. At least that's how it would work in my hospital. And then um, have a timed four-hour Tylenol level and just have Knack at the bedside ready to be hung. All right, friends, get in. Hey, oh, how's Heather? How's Heather? Is she alive? Who is that? Her friends. Um, I <laughs> I can't really uh, dispose. I can't. Uh, that's the wrong word. Not dispose. Disclose. Um, much information about her without her permission. I talked to Heather. Hey, your friends are calling. Is it okay if I tell them about your medical health information? Uh, she still refuses to talk to you. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I can't really answer any further questions about her her care. Um, but you might be able to help me. Um, what happened today? Yeah, she uh, got in a fight with her, her boyfriend and she ran off crying. We found her in the bathroom. Okay, and I heard there were there were empty bottles of pills found around her. Yeah, her Percocet. 
you know how many Percocet she had in that prescription? Um, I mean, it was a big bottle. Okay. All right. That's very helpful. Thanks. Any other questions for us? Can we go? Um, we got movie night. <laughs> um, are there any other medications in the home? Um, not that we're aware of. Okay. All right. I, I think that's fine. Yeah, you can let them go. Bye. Bye. Um, all right. Let us just, let's just start the knack. Let's, let's just do it. Okay. I forget the dosing off the top of my head. We can talk to pharmacy. Uh, pharmacy isn't available. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, it's, it's a single dose. It's a standardized dose. I just don't know it off the top of my head. So you want to give it IV? Uh, yes. Okay. Maybe the IC will know. If you crawl, if you beg. If I beg. All right, let's call the ICU. Hey, this is the ICU. What do you got? Hey, um, this is Mike and ED. I got a 25-year-old suspected Percocet overdose. It sounds like it was a suicide attempt. She was in a fight with her boyfriend. Um, She was obtundent when EMS arrived, responded well to intranasal Narcan. Here, she was awake and alert, but um, the Narcan wore off, and she required multiple doses of IV Narcan and was put on a Narcan drip, which is her ICU requirement at this time. She's hemodynamically stable. The only thing I'm concerned about is that she overdosed on Percocet, which has Tylenol in it. Her initial Tylenol level was undetectable but it sounds like this happened right before she came in um got some collateral from her friends it was a very large pill bottle so we just we couldn't get a hold of poison control so we empirically started her on n-acetylcysteine all right so she's got n-acetylcysteine going uh actually i was hoping i was hoping we could uh talk about the dosing empiric dosing oh what do you mean the dosing of n-acetylcysteine yeah all right let me ask my med student here hey uh, med students, what is the dose of N-acetylcysteine? Uh, it's 150 milligrams per kilogram IV. All right, that sounds good. All right, I'm glad they could help you. Uh, yeah, that's embarrassing. That ends your All case. Right. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. You did great. <laughs> uh, I got to get you off off the pharmacy on some of the some of the stuff. I think you would have been able to ask for him on the case, but anyways, before we go through in detail how you did, I would like to thank our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. In my opinion, as a resident, you should be shopping for and purchasing your personal disability insurance policy. This will be your personal policy that you carry during your whole career. So across jobs, between residency and your first job, and then if you have a different job, and this is going to cover you in case you get sick or you're injured and you can't do your specialty anymore. Obviously, that would be catastrophic. Pearson Rabbits will shop around between the major companies that offer these policies and get you a good deal. She is a non-captive agent, meaning that she is not stuck selling you the policy from only one company. There's some companies where if you call their agent, they just only sell their company's policy. She's actually able to shop around between companies and compare policies for you, and then she can coach you and teach you and help you choose pros and cons of all the different options. Uh, so go to www.pearsonrabbits.com, set up a meeting to shop and compare some, some policies and get your finances in order. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now let's wrap up our case. All right, Mike, how do you think you did? Uh, I, I think it went okay. I'm very nervous that I missed something with that whole EKG uh, thing you were talking about. You made me look at that EKG like four times over, but... Um, <laughs> 
I think it went okay. Um, I definitely have not given knack too many times in my career. Um, so, you know, I feel like that's one of those meds. I know there's a loading dose and then like a maintenance dose. That's definitely something that should probably be internalized. It's like one of those classic ones that like you would not know and have to look up, but like all the med students know because like what's the what's the RUMAC, what is it, the RUMAC, Matthew, whatever that nomogram, like what's the cutoff on that thing? Yeah, that's it. It's like, do you know what it is? Yeah, I, th- I think this is somewhat of a educated guess, but at the four hour mark, is it greater than 80? Uh, greater, no. no, so it's greater than one. 40 somewhere in there oh Uh, all right yeah i don't know i know to plot it you know and there's some factors that can shift that but that's kind of the classic i feel like um and then so like the way it gets remembered is because it's like i want to say it's like 140 is the four hour cutoff and then like the dosing of n-acetylcysteine orally is like 140 mg per keg it's like 150 mg per keg iv you know so it's kind of right in that range the toxic dose i want to say is like 140 like milligrams it's like all like 140 so that's like the way the reason med students know it because it's just like one of those things that you just one of those mnemonic memory type aids that you know it's one of those classic things that you would not know and your med student would know which is really funny but anyways i was just giving (laughs) you a hard time because you were doing too well in the case and i was just like i have to just mess with them (laughs) um Let's go through our critical actions. So uh, you did a good job, and I think you're getting better at this. You used to not do this as much, but getting collateral history. Um, You'll have different opportunities to get collateral history. Um, So you got the collateral history from the EMS. You kind of probe them for additional questions. You're allowed to do that on the test. There will be things that EMS may or may not disclose initially, so you want to you know, before you dismiss them home, get collateral history from the paramedics. And you did do that. Um, you did a good job as well. You said you did a chart review. So you got kind of collateral history from looking at the chart. And so that got you all the medical history and things like that. And you can also get collateral history from the friends. I was not, I didn't write it into the case, but um, you can call the friends or something like that. Send people home to get the pill bottle and really push them to see how much detail with each of these kind of extra historians when the patient's not giving you something usually it means that they're they're probing you to get history from other sources um from ems or from friends or whatever and you really want to see how much they can give you you know you don't want to just ask your quick question and send them but be like what else could i ask them that that might be helpful so but definitely, I, I thought you did a good job of getting collateral history again from EMS. You did the record pull. You could have probed the friends a little bit more um, and gotten, like, you know, specifically how many pills are in the bottle. Can we send someone home to check the bottle? Like, all of that is totally allowed. Okay. The one I was hoping to burn you on, um, and I didn't, was the four-hour Tylenol level or the four-hour acetaminophen level. I was hoping, I mean, so we don't normally do brand names. We try not to do brand names, obviously. But I was like, hopefully if I just say Percocet, he forgets that it has acetaminophen in it and he blows the patient off as just an opiate overdose with pinpoint pupils needing repeat Narcan. That was my goal, was to get you to neglect the fact that there's a bunch of acetaminophen in there. Now, usually it's not a big deal because there's not that much acetaminophen in Percocet. So, or in any, it's like 325, right? It's like a single regular dose tablet. So you really have to, to... take a lot <laughs> right or be taking other other forms of acetaminophen on top of that to where you're either getting like the chronic toxicity but i mean to have like an acute one-time ingestion of just percocet to enough to where you get a ton of acetaminophen in your system you have to take like a ton of pills so it would have been like a 60 pill bottle because i calculated it out if i had done like a 30 pill bottle it's 
kind of right around probably what the toxic dose would be. A yeah, 60 pill bottle definitely gets you there. <laughs> so, um, got it. That's that's a lot of uh, oxycodone, <laughs> right? So, and so, I was hoping that it would be kind of that you'd get distracted by the opiate overdose. I mean, you you reassessed the patient so quickly, I didn't even have a chance to let her stop breathing, which was really good because I was gonna have the nurse come get you and be like, she's not breathing, and try to distract you by needing more naloxone and seeing if you knew the dose of that and everything. Um, what you did, and I think you dosed it right doing those little kind of small do- small doses. Um, but this is also like a ton of Percocet because you think of like how we give naloxone and then we reverse somebody if they overdose on heroin or fentanyl or something. And um, when you take that much, I mean, it's all still – it's pharmacokinetics. It's still half-life. So, I mean, you're still going to have a shitload in your system even after the half-life. Yeah. Like it's just because there's so much there to start with. Um, it's not just that it's – because you, if you take enough of a short-acting agent, I still feel like the half-life will still be pretty in, intense, you know, after the Narcan wears off, compared to like a long-acting agent, you know, what what would be some long-acting opiates? Because they might put some of these, you know, you might see this. Um. So I know, like, if somebody was just putting like a lot of fentanyl patches on their body and you didn't pick it up on exam, that would be like one thing, because those leech over like 24 hours more long-acting opiates themselves methadone yeah so i mean that's the big one to keep in mind keep in mind with methadone it's long-acting and it also prolongs the qt so that's a good case in there um we're not going to do that case this year otherwise i wouldn't have told you i don't i have my cases figured out for this year already and um but that's a good one to remember because that's a night that's a fun case where you get the long-acting opiate with the other kind of known side effect of it which is that prolonging of the qt so it's a really good like the patient's unresponsive and it's the opiate and then they're in torsade type of a thing um okay so let's see here we did the four hour tylenol level it would have been elevated and then the other thing i was hoping you just send off the one level and just leave it even though it was clearly like an acute you know so you didn't fall for that um you gave the n-acetylcysteine i was just messing with you on the dosing of that um but i do believe it's 150 megs per kg iv for what's it worth uh you gave additional naloxone um you you dose that appropriately i mean you can go higher on your dose if you need to but um that's it depends on how much you need to give i guess because you would reassess them so it's not like they are completely unresponsive and you're sitting there over the course of 15 minutes giving them a little a little bit more a little bit more you know type of a thing and they're like not breathing (laughs) Where you should just be getting yeah. a little bit more. I mean, you had reassessed prior to even me being able to say they're getting sleepy. And so I was like, yeah, that's about ideal. <laughs> um, and you placed the psychiatry consult and saw that it was suicidal ideation, which was um, – you could have maybe probed the patient a little bit more, but she wasn't really going to give you anything regardless. Um and so, yeah, you hit all your critical actions. You pass the case. Um, strong third-year work. The other thing is I do believe that um, on the ABEM cases, they might have they might play audio for you. Like they might play an EMS call or something. That's something you will see. So, like, they will hand you old records. If you ask for old records, they will play you an EMS call. I say this based off of, um, like, their online, you know, their practice things where they can kind of show you, you know, how it works. So, um, yeah, the um- – your EMS call was very, it, it threw me back into like working a real shift because that's what they sound like. It's all jumbled. You can barely understand any of it. Half the time, like the call will get cut off in the middle of it. And it's like, vitals aren't blank. And you're just like, what? Are they stable or unstable? Well, and it's not going to, well, 
like they have the test case online or at least the test case a couple years ago online, they did an EMS call trauma like example, as far as like on the eight website and it, you know, it, it's not Phil doing like, if you remember Phil Ajay doing them a couple years ago, like yep, he's yep. like a real medic, like he sounds like a medic, you know, I feel like these ones, at least on that practice one was, um, it maybe sounded a little more like some attending was pretending to be a medic, <laughs> but it does sound like it's over <laughs> the radio, at least like they, it's not just the person reading it. Like it sounds like a radio call. It's that's cool. cool. So they're, they'll throw things like that at you. So I'm just trying to kind of give you a couple different angles on how they might go. Um, but yeah, you, you nailed it. I had a couple interesting thoughts on this case too, that I just wanted to go through as I was preparing for this. Um, and these were bonus points ones. These weren't critical actions. What do you think about activated charcoal? Uh, so in the like hyper acute setting or for um, toxins that don't have like an antidote that are pretty much lethal regardless, I think it's probably worth trying. But honestly, I it's something I'm not, I've never used and something I'm not too familiar with. I think it could have potentially been indicated in this case. I guess we'd have to ask. That's a good one to ask poison control on because you can get abtunded from the opiate, which means you're not protecting your airway as well, which would be something a reason you wouldn't want to give the activated charcoal because um, it gives like a really bad pneumonitis if you aspirate it. But the yeah. flip side of that is like opiates really slow down uh, the motility of the GI tract. And so you, you can almost prolong how long you can give it for because a lot of that's going to still be in the stomach. And um, so I was kind of I was kind of curious on the whether or not to give activated charcoal there. I, I think it's just one of those ones you talk through with poison control. I think it's something that you could have done on the test maybe if you articulate it really well and being like the patient truly is wide awake. Um, let me call the poison control and see if they want activated charcoal type of a thing. I think yeah. that would have yeah. – look pretty polished because don't forget like decontamination is like a core component of all tox cases, um, including uh, whole bowel. And um, I suppose if it's like an exposure on the skin or something, you know, washing everything off and that kind of stuff. The other thing that was yeah, interesting is sure. I was studying um, with specifically like a massive opiate acetaminophen overdose is like, is there a utility in doing like waiting for the eight hour level? Can you get a falsely low acetaminophen level at four hours again, because of the slow GI transit and how slow it is to absorb. Um, and I think that there might be some utility to that as well, where you would potentially see an eight hour level being even higher maybe. Um, so but, I can see that. I, I'm curious as to what the literature says. I'm I, sure. I put them as just I, little notes at the bottom. Like I was just kind of thinking, I was like, would there be utility to an eight hour level for this kind of thing? Um, I'm not, you know, I think a tox fellowship would be really interesting. I don't think I could do it full time, but you know, toxicologists are super smart. These are the types of things that you ask them. Um, oh yeah. They're, they're like the smartest people, some of the smartest people yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's impressive. Yeah. Their, their knowledge. Yeah. Um, well, I think you did great. You obviously passed the case. You did very well, but there will be even more. There will be even more difficult cases. So they just get worse and worse. <laughs> they just get worse and worse. I was I, really hoping I could sneak in that acetaminophen overdose on you. I was banking on that. I was really frustrated. Well, so, <laughs> so I, I think I probably would have gotten it regardless of this real life case I had. Um, hypothetical real life case, um, but just because I know what's in Percocet, but um, 
not so long ago, I had a massive Excedrin overdose. And initially, like first five, 10 minutes of the case, I knew Excedrin contained caffeine and acetaminophen. And so I was just like, oh, like they're above the toxic dose, like immediate toxic dose. Like we had a family member bringing the pills. I counted the, the remaining pills. They took like however many and we figured it out. So I was empirically giving knack. And then I look on the bottle and I realized that Excedrin has aspirin in it. And it ended up being a salicylate overdose as well as an acetaminophen overdose, which was a really cool case to like work through with poison control and nephrology and titrating the bicarb drip um, to like a specific urine output and urine pH and like all that. It was really cool. Yeah, that's super interesting, actually. That's, um, you know, and on the, I don't think APEM, they're probably not allowed to use like brand names. It's probably like a legal thing. I doubt that they do that. But I was just like, if I say like, oxycodone acetaminophen like it's like well then that's just yeah, too easy that, that, just, that gives it away it's, yeah, it's my podcast hard. i can use brand names if i want to try to mess up mike like <laughs> okay any other thoughts final closing thoughts uh i don't think so i think with any tox case it's and I will go over this in the mid-month episode as well, because um, I'll focus on Tylenol ingestions, but um, it's important to learn how to do, like, a tox exam. Like, there are, I mean, this patient didn't have the features that would have made me do a full tox exam, but there's something called the toxicology handshake, which we can talk about, um, and there's a couple other cool exam tricks that we'll go through. But um, I think it's important with any kind of tox case to at least keep that at the forefront of your mind, other possible ingestions, looking for signs of excessive sweating or lack of sweating, pupils, reflexes, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Looking forward to the mid-month episode. I think it'll be great. I think you should do some acetaminophen, just polish that a little bit on when to give NAC and that kind of thing. Um, it'll be helpful. It was helpful for me to study too, because you know, before all these cases, I look it up and kind of just make sure it's all fresh, because it's been a while since I've seen a good one of these, so... Um, all right. Uh, that wraps it up, everybody. Thank you for downloading. Um, check out our episode in the in a couple weeks and check out our sponsor, Pearson Rabbits. Um, my email is Zach at EM Clerkship. You can get Mike at Mike at EM Clerkship. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift. <laughs>